run jump up on the stage, but I, I didn't want to test out my medical insurance, so I didn't. <laughs> so that's one of my son-in-laws. Another son-in-law was playing the drums this morning, Christoph. You got to see him. Now, you uh, may not have known him by face, but a lot of you were praying for Christoph uh, a number of months ago, the middle of winter. He's the son-in-law that fell and seriously broke his ankle, remember, and his leg on the ice. Uh, had to have surgery, and then infection set in. And then we were praying because he almost lost his foot. So it was really one of those things where God just intervened and took care. So thank you for his prayers, and it's good to see Christoph here. <coughs> now, Christoph's claim to fame is that he is father of two of my grandkids and married to my daughter, Honey, which is up here, which she loves to be embarrassing for that. But she is up there. She's that blonde, so you might want to check her out. We are on a trip this week with... Uh, my our grandson Chris, uh, uh, Chris, grandson Zeke Ezekiel, and uh, he's 13, so we took him on his trip. Every of our 13-year-old grandkids gets to go on a trip, gets to or has to go on a trip with Grandma and Grandpa. <laughs> so we had a good time. If you're going to ask Zeke anything, ask him about miniature golf. Okay. <laughs> I, I always grab on the thing that I won. So just so you know, I, uh, anyway. Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that won't go far anywhere else, but it worked out there. So, uh, anyway, so thanks, Christoph, for helping minister to us. Uh, we, you know, this week as I was working on, on my own personal devotions, I came to a passage that, that so fits into what we have been seeing as we've been walking through this historical story, this historical uh, account of a guy named Nehemiah. And God had sent him on a mission, remember, uh, uh, although it's in the beginning it looked like an impossible situation, but God has really done so much for him. But, but he's serving God uh, just uh, vibrantly, uh, giving everything towards uh, uh, doing God's will in his life. And yet in spite of that, we've seen trouble, tough times, uh, one after another come his way. And so we've talked about that We've we just as a reminder, because sometimes... We step into a relationship with God, and we have this false perspective that if I'm doing what God wants, everything should go pretty smooth, and that's just not the reality. It is not, because we live in enemy territory. And so in my personal devotions this week, I came across this verse, and I thought, boy, this really fits in. A righteous person may have many troubles. It's a reality. Even though he's doing the right thing or she's doing the right thing, but the Lord delivers them from them all. And and that's the reality, too. I don't care what, you know, you're serving God with your heart. You're trying to please him with your life. Things get hard. They do. Because you have an enemy who's going to make it hard. Life, life in this world just is hard sometimes. But here's the reality. No matter what it is, God has promised either to give you what you need to make it through it, or sometimes he chooses to give us a way out. And, and uh, so that's, that's really become clear as we've, as we've followed with Nehemiah as he's walked in this journey. Now, if you want to, here's where we're going today, Nehemiah chapter 6, so in your Bibles or on your devices, we're going to look at these, these four verses, and uh, we'll continue this journey with Nehemiah as he, as he continues to try to actively serve God uh, in the direction of his life. Now, it's really interesting, part of, part of what we've discovered, especially last week, you know, the wall's been rebuilt, we've become kind of walking through with him along this line, so the wall has finally been rebuilt. The gates aren't quite in place yet, but that'll be done soon. And, uh, you know, kind of figured, you know, as we, as we walked through that passage last week, kind of figured, well, you know, the people who have been posing the rebuilding of the wall, you know, it's kind of done now. So 
they're, they're probably going to give up now. It's, it's time to quit complaining because the job's done. Obviously, God wanted it to happen because it's happened in record time. And you kind of expect them to, 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 you know, pack their bags and head home. That's not what we discovered happened. But, but it was really interesting because if you remember Sambalit and Tobias and, and uh, some of the other, other folks that had been actively opposing the rebuilding of the wall, they sent a message to Nehemiah. They said, hey, let's, let's meet. And if you remember, the, the message sounded innocent enough, you know, kind of like a, let's get together, let's bury the hatchet, you know, let's uh, let bygones be bygones, uh, you know, let's leave, meet together down in the Valley of Ono and, and just sort this out and move forward. That's what the message sounded like, but Nehemiah knew it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all. And he tests them and finds out that what, what is really in their heart. But, but why I bring that up is Nehemiah has been so careful so very careful each step of the way not to let anything sidetrack him but from what God wants him to do, what he knows God wants him to do. He's been, he's been really careful not to give in to some of the strategies and, and some of the plans, some of the, the uh, uh, attacks of the enemy. He's, he's guarded each step of the way so carefully, which really makes this first verse, verse 10, interesting because it starts off by saying... One day, I went to the house of Shemaiah. And so you're looking at that and saying, wow, he, you know, he's had several in, in, individuals invite him, you know, come, we want to talk, uh, meet us, so-and-so. And he's always said, nope, I'm not. In fact, uh, last week he saw, he kept saying, you know what? What I'm doing is too important for me to stop it to come and meet with you. And yet, we get into here, and, he's, and this guy asks him to come, and right away he stops and goes and meets with him. So, so you got to ask yourself some questions, you know. Uh, why is that? What is it about this man that, that makes him ready, maybe even eager, to go and meet with him? There doesn't seem to be any hesitation in that, at all uh, of moving forward and, and meeting with him. Uh, so a couple things come in mind. Number one, just let me make an assumption. If, if he's so willing to stop things and go visit Shammai, this man, one assumption I, I'm making and reading between the lines on is he knows him. He's a friend of his. He trusts him. And so part of that is what makes him say, it's this, in this situation, I'm safe to do that. But then here's the second part. It goes on and says that Shemaiah was shut in, in at his home. Now, again, reading between the lines, I think the indication there is that Shemaiah probably has some health issues. And so, so Nehemiah, it, his heart responds to someone who I believe is a friend, someone he looks to as a companion that in the past they've had a good relationship and he trusts. But then he also has this compassionate heart that says, you know, he's, he's shut in. Uh, I need to go see him. I need to spend time with him. And so he goes <coughs> and, and visits with this man who he counts as a friend and, and, and begins to, they begin to talk together. Well, as they begin to visit, Shemaiah says this to him. He says, we need to meet. Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us choose the temp choose, close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you by night. They are coming to kill you. So again, you know, this kind of seems to be like one of those things that a friend would say, wouldn't he? You know, you know I'm worried about you. I know there are enemies out there. I've, got, I've heard the rumors. I know there are people that that actually want to kill you. And, and so here's what I think we should do. As your friend, I'm saying to you that 
we here we need you to be protected. You're important to this the the, the Jews here, the Israel your fellow Israelites, and we need to make sure you stay safe. But then he notches it up. We find out if you skip down a couple of verses of verse twelve, you find out that this man is is claims to be a prophet of God. Now we're going to go into the rest of that verse in a moment, but he claims to be a prophet of God. So I believe this is even notched up. He says Nehemiah. You know, I'm concerned about you. I want you to be protected. He, and, and so because of that, we need to hide out. And the safest place for you to go is, is let's go to the temple. Let's go in the temple and let's hide out together. And I just want you to know, this not only comes to you as a friend, but this is from God. God has told me to share this with you that here's what you need to do to protect your own skin. And, and I'll go with you, but, but we need to get into the temple and you need to hide out. Well, there are some things that happened in that conversation that raised red flags for Nehemiah. Uh, perhaps what the first one, some of them are, are clear in, in the passage. So, so I'm going to surmise maybe one of the first one is simply the fact that this is so different than anything that God has done in regard to Nehemiah and his serving the Lord and rebuilding the wall, and now it's the governor of the people. It's so different than anything that God has done in, in, up to this point. Remember, we've walked with Nehemiah. We've watched him as he got the information went way back, you know, now a couple of years past, where he's back in, in Persia and he's serving the king, and he gets information that, that uh, Jerusalem is practically in rubble. The, the wall that used to protect them is just piles of rubble, and and his heart breaks for what the people are going through, and then he prays about it, and God opens the door for the king of Persia, who had earlier said, those walls will never be rebuilt, now says to Nehemiah, go down and rebuild them. In fact, I'll send you resources. I'll send you letters you need to, to get resources. I'll send you soldiers to protect you because it's a long journey, and there's enemies between here and there. And, and so God does this remarkable thing and, and protects them the whole way down, 800 miles on foot this journey journey down there and and then he gets there and and suddenly discovers there are enemies all around jerusalem and they're threatening them and they're they're they're, they spread rumors that are wrong and they tell lies and even get to the point where they say you know when you least expect it when you're working and your back's turned we're going to kill you and yet in all those circumstances god protects them and keeps them moving forward and and then we saw the situation where there's actually what could have been really the end is as now, within the Jewish family, there, there becomes an inner, inner conflict, and they're fighting with each other, and there's accusations which turn out to be true accusations, and this could have been an end, and yet God gave Nehemiah the wisdom to resolve this, uh, just tremendous things we learned a couple of weeks ago, and, and so that the project can go on, and, and God continued to, to protect him, and then, and then we even saw to the point where, you know, the... the open letters sent around to, to discredit Nehemiah. And in all these circumstances, God protects Nehemiah, takes care of him, so that Nehemiah can continue to do what God has asked him to do. And now, all of a sudden, here comes somebody counts as a friend and he trusts and saying, hey, God's told me that you need to go hide. This doesn't make sense. And, and so I think that's probably the first red flag. And it can be in your life and mine, too, you know, We've sensed God going in a direction, and, and then all of a sudden something, you know, just out of the blue comes in. And, and so we, it causes us to pause and say, wait a minute, is this right? Is this from God? And, 
And it's a good question to ask. Now, I'm not telling you that God never asks you to do things that don't make sense. You know, I'm in Nebraska because God asked Mary Lou and I one time to do something that, you know, we had headed a direction for eight months, certain that that's what God had in mind for us. Everything at the beginning seemed exactly that, and then God shut it down and said, you're going to get a call from a friend, go to Nebraska. Now, I, I'm, I know why now, and I'm glad. But so, so it isn't a always, but at least when suddenly things dramatically change and what has been the direction God's been taking you suddenly takes a switch, it's a time to pause and say, okay, wait a minute, is this really from God? And, and I think that's part of what gives him pause. But, here's, but then it gets even more clear. Something is amiss. Something's not right here because his friend, his trusted friend, the guy he cares about, says this to him. Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah knows, "Uh uh-uh, something's not right. Well, why? why? Why does he know that? Why does this bring clarity? Well, let me take us back in history a little ways, back to when Moses is, is with the Israelites and God has given them some commands. And, and par- in part of those commands, he's laid out a design for a tabernacle, and later on it will become a temple. And as he laid out the design, then he gave instructions for how that tabernacle and temple were supposed to be cared for, who was a- supposed to do what. And, and part of what he said was this to, to Aaron, you Aaron... This is Moses giving the instructions that God has given him. You, talking about Aaron and his sons, are to be responsible for the care of the sanctuary and the altar. But only you and your sons may serve as priests. And anyone else who comes near the sanctuary must be put to death. Only certain individuals were allowed into that inner area. And that's exactly what Nehemiah's friends is saying to him is, we need to go in there and hide. So, because then nobody's going to look for you there. I mean, you're supposed to, you're God fearing man. So obviously you're not going. So that's where we need to go and hide. And so the the moment that is the 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 message that Nehemiah's friend gives him, he knows this isn't right. This isn't from God because God, hear this. God never directs us to move a direction that is contrary to His word. Never. Sometimes we try to convince ourselves that he's heading us a direction uh, that we know in our heart isn't right, but we're thinking, you know, we rationalize it. We figure out the reasons why this makes sense. And, and that would have been easy to do here. He, I mean, Shemaiah isn't, isn't pulling this out of the dark. Remember last week, we, there were threats. We know there are individuals, they were, when they asked Nehemiah to meet them down in Ono, they planning, they were planning to do him harm. They wanted to kill him. So this isn't just a, you know, something that they pulled out of the air. And, and so this make, could make sense. You could rationalize and say, you know, these are, these are unusual circumstances. Certainly God wouldn't care if I broke one of his rules in this situation. And that's what we do. For Nehemiah, the moment he went that direction, Nehemiah knew, uh-uh. This is not from God because God does never, never directs us to do something, to go a direction, to allow something in our life that is contrary to what he says in his word. He never does. Hey, you might be in one of those situations right now. I've been there, you know, where I've rationalized myself into heading a direction that I knew was not the will of God for my life. Now, here's the cool thing is 
it's never too late to backtrack and get back on the right path. But just hear that. Nehemiah, what convinced what he knew immediately, what pointed the direction that said, uh-uh, this is not from God. Even though his friend said, this is from God, he knew it was not because his friend was encouraging him to do something contrary to the word of God, and God will never, ever do that. So he responds. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. And I realized that God had not sent him. Even to save his life, Nehemiah said, even to save my life, I will not disobey God. It kind of reminds me of three guys in the book of Daniel, another book a little later on, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, as, as they were commanded to bow before an idol, to, the, to, to worship this idol that, that represented the king of Babylon and, and represented him as deity, and they refused. And they, and they basically said, though you slay us, we'll not bow down to that idol. Nehemiah said, I'm not going to do what, even to save my own skin, I will not do what I know is contrary to God's will for my life. And then he goes on and gives us a remarkable statement. This, you know, we've, we've looked in this series and, and at other times we've uh, jumped back to Ephesians 6 sometime where God lays out this fact, this, this evidence for us that our enemy, Satan, has a strategy for every one of us. And, and in fact, what we found out as we study that passage is it's, it's a constantly changing strategy. About the time you fi- think you have him figured out, He'll, he'll switch it up and, uh, and go at it from another direction. And his strategy is he wants to defeat us. He wants to discourage us. If you're not a follower of God, a follower of Christ, if you've not accepted his gift of salvation, his strategy for you right now is to keep you from ever making that decision for, for all kinds of reasons, to keep you from even looking at it. If you are a follower of God, then his strategy is to, to, to cause you to make decisions that will discourage you, defeat you, to shut down your testimony. And, and this is one of those passages that's right in line with that. And, and, and so in Ephesians, Paul says, be aware, he's after you. And, and because of that, put on the armor of God. We won't go into that today, but pretty cool passage there. Well, this is, some, this is very much like that. Because Nehemiah, as he shares what he understands about what is taking place at that moment, lays out some things that Satan will use. And so he goes on, he says, I realize that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Right in that section there, you have just all kinds of, of Nehemiah saying, let me tell you how Satan works. Let me tell you one of his strategies for your life and mine if we, if we allow him to, to get, the, get the lead there, if we follow a direction other than the direction God has given me, let me tell you what he has in mind for you, especially if you claim to be a follower of God. And so he lays it out, and he says, first of all, here's what Satan had in mind. Through, my, through this individual that I thought was a friend, a close friend, somebody I trusted, Satan had in mind to use what he had to say to intimidate me. So, so one possible method that Satan will use to stop you from moving in a direction that God has set before you is make you fearful of it. 
intimidating. You know, we, we've talked about this before. Sometimes God asks us to join Him in, in, in moving a direction that's bigger than we are. In fact, you know, I've mentioned this several times, a book that uh, was written uh, several years ago, uh, and as I started to bring it up, I lost the name of it. <laughs> oh, well, it'll come back. But he talks about the fact that it's Blackaby's book. Anyone else got the name on there? Thought? Experiencing God. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, Experiencing God. Great book. But he talks about these God things, and he says, when God, if it's from God, it's usually going to be bigger than you. And that's the reality. So if it's bigger than you, Satan immediately is going to say, you can't do it. Too big, too much money, too much this, too much that. And so he wants to cause you to be fearful and to be intimidated. So that's the first thing. Nehemiah recognizes Satan is using this man to cause me to back way with fear. I know what I'm supposed to do. I've seen God all the way along protect me and take care of me, but, but he's got this new information about the planned attack on me, and so now he's sent this man to, I, to cause me to be fearful and intimidate, which brings us in the second part of the strategy. Intimidate me so that I would commit a sin. What's he say? Let's go hide out in the temple. Nehemiah knew the word of God. He knew that that was wrong. He was not allowed to do that. He was a, a priest. He wasn't supposed to go into that inner temple, in that inner sanctuary. To do so would be to disobey God, to sin. But don't we rationalize that sometimes? You know, we get into, we're following God, and, and it doesn't go the way we think it should. And, and so we, we start, you know, we say, well, you know, I know normally God doesn't want me to do this, but under these circumstances, oh, man, anytime you're under the circumstances, you're in a dangerous place. You know, under these circumstances, it'd probably be okay if I disobey just this once, you know, because this is, this is different. This is, this is pretty scary, and, and so I, I'm sure God would understand if I don't trust him in this situation. And so Nehemiah recognized that. He said, I understand what's going on here. I'm being intimidated. My friend is saying, claiming to speak for God, but but trying to cause me to be so fearful that I allow myself to do something I know is not right because of my fear, and then I then I disobey God and justify it with you know. And sometimes we do it this way: it's like, well, you know, God, this I'm following your direction, and then you allow this to happen. So, you know. It's not my fault that I disobeyed you, because obviously if you should be taking care of me. And, and we, cause, we can come with all kinds of reasons to fall directly into exactly what Satan wants us to fall into. And then he goes on, he says, but, and here's what else he has in mind. And to give me a bad name to discredit me. Here's, here's Satan's got this, here's, the, here's a big plan. So, so we give in to our fear, and we... Allow ourselves to disobey God, something we know we're supposed to do, but our fear overcomes us, and so we disobey God. And the people then that are watching us, who know we're a follower of God, they see it, and they and all of a sudden it hurts our reputation. And worse than that, it hurts God's reputation. We discredit our God, who we say we trust and we love and we want to serve, and He's in charge of our life, and then we do something that they even know isn't the direction God wants us to go in, and exactly what Satan had in mind. Exactly. I want to add one more. It's not necessarily here, but I think it's insinuated because ultimately, finally, if we fall into all these things that are laid out in this, it causes this. When we disobey God, it, it hurts the relationship. 
brings attention into our, our relationship with our God. It, it doesn't make him stop loving us. He's already cleared that up. Paul said in Romans, he, says, so he asked the question, what, what can separate you from the love of God? And then he answered, he said, nothing in all creation. And he goes through a whole list of things that we tend to say, well, this happens, so God doesn't love me. No, he, he, you can't be separated from his love. Once you've stepped into that relationship with God because of your, your accepting his gift of forgiveness and uh, his uh, adoption into his family, nothing changes that. You never lose his love. You can't. But the relationships can be hurt. And that's what Satan has in mind and is he wants to bring attention. He wants us to know in our hearts, boy, I'm not following God. And, and I've been there. I suspect a lot of you have, maybe all of you at some point. And it's not a fun place to be. And, and so Nehemiah recognized that. And then, frankly, as we're praying and thinking through this, we can only imagine. You know, and it's not, it's not about, I've said it before, it is not about this building. God gave us this building. We want to be good stewards of it. It's an old building. We need some, and if you're going to hang around for the lunch and, uh, and learn, and, and if, frankly, if you didn't sign up for this Sunday, but this is the Sunday you have, stick around anyway. I ordered extra pizza. There'll be plenty for you, not steak, but pizza. And uh, so hang around right after the service, and we're, we're going to walk around. We're going to kind of look at what God has given us, and, and we're going to look at and envision what we can do is because we want to use this to continue ministry in our community, and that's what it's about. But we've got to expect if, if, if God is moving us to direction, we feel he is, then along the way, some of these very same things are going to happen. Satan's going to make us fearful. You know, this is too big. It's too hard. This is too much. Uh, so that we respond by fear and, and, and convince ourselves, rationalize that we don't have to follow through on what we believe God's asking us to do and which will cause our reputation and our gods to be discredited and hurt the relationship with God. Exactly what he has in mind. Strategy laid out, comes through Scripture over and over. And, and so Nehemiah picks up on this. He knows that's what's going on. But here's the hard thing. All this happening, I'm convinced by what I see in this passage, the hands and the words of a trusted friend. Nehemiah has a relationship with this guy. He was convinced up until this point that this guy had his back, his best interest at heart. Probably went there because he had compassion for him and what he was going through. And now he sees this trusted friend betray him. Set him up for harm at the, uh, or at the least for discredit, for ruined reputation. Hard. And what do you do? What, did, what does Nehemiah do when this happens? Nehemiah does what he always does. His, his default is always the same thing. Now, I've shared with you before, you know, we can be honest with God. Hear his prayer. Remember, talking to God, he's praying. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God. 
because of what they've done. Remember also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to attend their reading. And here's, boy, the sad part in, in the in between the lines of this message is it's actually the people that are supposed to be directing those people towards God that are for the almighty dollar giving false information, trying to persuade the people to go the other direction. Be careful. (laughs) Be careful of people in my position. You've got to keep going back to this. You know, anytime, even, I don't care who it is, if a small community says something and, and it doesn't sound right according to the Word of God, you go back to this source. Nehemiah does what he always does. He prays. But I find it interesting because, you know, in this circumstance, we get in these circumstances, don't we, where, you know, we have, and, and some of you, you've, you've walked through this, someone you trusted, you thought that they were for you, that they loved you. You were so convinced of that that you shared intimacy with them in your life. You're, you shared your secrets, and, and, and you were absolutely convinced that if, if push came to shove, they had your back. They were going to be there. Some of you, some of you are married to someone like that. They told you they loved you. You never had to worry about them because they would always be there. And then they betrayed you. Well, Nehemiah does what we should do, because you know sometimes we don't know what to do about something like that. And and it's interesting because because Paul again, as he's writing to the Roman church. As I saw this, I thought, remind me of this passage. And, and so here's what we're going to close this morning. Paul writes to the Roman church, and he, and he says, first of all, this. He says, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So the first thing he says is, you know, as far as it's up to you, do what you can do to bring peace and and, and live at peace I mean, be careful that you're doing the right things for your friends and your loved ones. And, 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 but, but sometimes you get in a situation where there's, there is a, a, a disconnect, where, there's, where wrong has been done. And sometimes the people you love and you care for, and, and he says, do what you can do to make sure there's peace. Make sure you've gone the extra mile. You, you've done what's necessary to, to help restore the relationship, to bring reconciliation. But if you read these lines, you realize that the reality is sometimes it can't happen. Not because you're not willing, but because they're not willing. So what do I do in those situations where I've tried to, I've tried to bring peace? I've tried to have the conversation. I've even looked at my check my own life and realized the things that I did wrong, and I've gone and confessed them and, and asked for forgiveness, and I've done everything I know to do. So what do I do when, when they won't respond? The first thing, you, what you don't do is, all right, I tried, now you're going to get it. You know, you don't go after them. You don't take revenge into your hands. You don't say, okay, I tried, it the, I tried the peace route. Now you know what? You can give it. I can give it back. And, and so we'll go. My brother used to quote this uh, verse, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, talking about himself. Uh, and he says, no, 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 don't. 
Won't you take revenge? And I think there's a couple reasons for that. One reason is this. Some of you are way too gracious. <laughs> That's the reality. Some of you are just like, okay, well, just, let's just forget it. Let's just move past it. And God's saying, no, 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 wait. This is too big. It can't just be moved past. You're too easy. And, and so you need to leave this to me. And then some of you the other way, man, you know what? You did this, I'll do this. That, you know, we kind of have. So, so basically he says, you're not wise enough to figure out how this needs to be taken care of because they won't respond and there isn't peace. And so he says, leave room for my wrath. Oh, wow. God says, you know, sometimes things, there's not, I don't look at everything and say, oh, it's okay. He said, no, no, sometimes I look and say, no, that's wrong. That's ungodly. You hurt someone that I love. That's my daughter. That's my son. Leave room for God's wrath because I will repay. God's not going to let him off the hook. But he's saying to you, my concern for you is, number one, you need to let go of this. Paul talks about it in that Ephesians 6 passage. He says, here's the worry. There comes a point where you have to say, God, I just got to turn this over to you. Just got to let you have it. Otherwise, what Paul's worry was is bitterness will take over my heart. He talks about Satan giving me foothold. Lord, I don't want that to happen. This is destroying me. I got to let this go. So I'm putting it in your hands because I know you will do what is right. If they respond to God's conviction on their heart, then obviously he'll, they, he'll respond with grace. That's who he is. But if they choose not to, then God, God, knowing what is right, will repay. He's committed that. You can put it in his hands and rest that it will t- be taken care of in exactly the right way. So don't let it destroy you. So I want us to pause as we close this morning and you know, as we got to the end of this, maybe even the beginning when you saw, maybe when you walked in and saw the chalkboard that said the title was betrayed, the face came to mind. It could have been a spouse, a husband, a wife, who stood before a pastor in an altar and committed to do only what was best for you for the rest of their life. And they didn't. you ever since and God's saying let go I'll take care of it it could be a friend who you trusted who you shared information and they passed it on and, and they shouldn't have and, and you're just struggling with that you know you have a face in your mind some of you here just it's it's just wearing you down and God is saying to you today let it go give it to me and know that I will do what is right I will do what is right. You can trust me. And so here's where I want us to stop. I'll start or stop this morning. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to give you a chance in your heart, quietly before God, just to talk to God about this and have that conversation. Lord, you know what they did. You know it wasn't right. (laughs) But you're the just God, and you'll do the right thing. And so I'm, I'm turning this over to you. I'm letting it go.
because I trust you. Have that conversation with him, and then I'm going to close this song and move into a song and close this song. But you talk to God right now. You know, Father, there's a lot of things in life that we're just, we can manage. Certainly as your children, we, we always ask for your help, but we, we feel like we can pretty much handle it. We can manage it. We can do what needs to be done, respond the way it needs to be responded. But boy, when it gets to this issue of betrayal, especially when it's a spouse, close friend, someone we trusted that, some of them that we, they, we thought they had their our back. They were going to take care of us. They would be there when we needed them and, and then to be betrayed. That's tough stuff. I, I appreciate the fact, God, that you don't take that lightly. When people hurt your children, that's a big deal to you. But I also see clearly in your word today, and, and even Nehemiah's response to this betrayal by a friend of his, that you also don't want us, it to take us down. You don't want bitterness to take over. You don't want us to get so caught up in getting even, getting revenge, that it destroys us. And that's what Satan wants to. So like Nehemiah this morning, Father, we're saying, we're going to turn this over to you, God. This person, this face that's on our mind, want to give it to you, knowing that you will do what is right. And I want to let go so that I can have peace. So that's my prayer for each of us this morning, for everyone who knows the pain of betrayal, that they walk out of this room today with that peace, knowing that it's in good hands, you'll take care of it. Thanks for, again, another really rubber meets the road passage of scripture that identifies clearly for us things in our hearts that need to be lined up with your will. Thanks for this time we've had together. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen.